Welcome to Unconditional Love, a podcast where we explore coming out narratives of queer youth. I'm Anthony Russell Jerry. And I'm Frankie Younger. The Unconditional Love podcast is a part of the Youth Citizenship Narrative Project, a project focused on youth experiences with citizenship through various perspectives. These episodes explore the many sites and spaces that provide respite along the journey towards unconditional love. Specifically, our show asks us to think about coming out to oneself, friends and family, and the numerous institutions that frame our lives, as well as the conflict between the fluidity of one's personal sense of becoming and the permanence of one's being to others. Unconditional love contains subject material that some may find upsetting. However, we have tried to present these narratives in an uncensored form as to remain true to the experiences and points of view of our collaborators. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Unconditional Love. I am Frankie Younger. I'm Anthony Jerry. And I'm Gracia Perez. So today's episode, uh, we're talking with Ash, right? That's right. That's right, yeah. What what uh what did you think what what are some of the important things that are that are that are gonna come out of uh, today's interview? Um, coming out to yourself and then we kinda talked about confessing. We talked about what's the difference between accepting yourself and like embracing yourself um a lot of different like technical kind of words and but the emotions that are kind of attached to those words is what i noticed right so so today's interview kind of or narrative really gets to the to the sort of multiple aspects i guess of coming out right coming out to oneself and coming out to uh sort of someone else um or, or the way I think that Ash sort of describes it in the in the narrative is is a confession, mm-hmm. right? So maybe coming out as a type of as a type of confession. But I, but I think the, the the really important part of that is not that you know that Ash is talking about a confession um, um, in the sense that that she believes that, but that there seems to be something that sort of necessitates right in our society a, a confession mm-hmm. right that requires someone to confess as part of that coming out process as right? a you know clandestine kind of uh f- hidden or forbidden kind of situation and you know oh how shocking i have right. to you know confess that right. i like you and whatnot I, th- I think one of the other important themes is is the sort of disconnect or the possibility i should say of of a sexuality that's not focused on the actual act of 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 sex right Mm, mm -hmm. so the idea of being asexual but at the same time um um sort of recognizing in yourself uh, a particular sexuality right that's expressed in in a number of different ways yeah and also like the how people uh, feel so comfortable to question and interrogate what that means and whether you're sure and not just adults i think also peers like there's something that you have to prove or an experience that you have to have right right, to really know yeah that's 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 a whole identity politics issue too right because all of a sudden in order to be something right that you've decided you are you've got other folks who say that they are that thing too right and now ultimately you have to prove a sort of authenticity, right? Uh, uh, you have to become sort of legitimate, right, in the eyes of other folks, which is yeah. which is nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. So without further ado, let's uh, hop on over to today's episode. Yeah, let's get into it. All right, okay. welcome to the studio. Um, thanks for coming in. And uh, we just want to know basically what your uh, coming out story is. What's your experience with? with that 
like when we say coming out story like it's, it's that thing where we kind of like here you don't come out just once you kind of come out multiple times so i have it feels like that i have a lot of coming out stories but the one that kind of sticks out for me is like when i had to come out to myself essentially like that didn't happen until like Mm, like around the middle of my first year here at college Mm -hmm. and I was like dealing with like hardcore denial like for as long as I can remember probably as like as long as high school if I actually want to like think about it so it essentially started when I was just kind of chilling out in like my archaeology class it was intro to archaeology and I was just kind of listening and I was like trying to take notes but you know I had a the professor was like kind of going over things I kind of already knew from the reading so I was just randomly texting this girl I, I knew from high school and she had recently confessed to me but I told her that I couldn't be in a relationship because one she was moving away she was like freaking 3,000 miles away so we couldn't make it work but I think a part of me kind of like figured or like kind of fell on the crutch where I didn't want to be in a long-distance relationship that's just not how I am as a person when it comes to relationships I need the proximity so I felt like, in retrospect, I felt like I was using that as a crush rather than just, like, facing the fact where I just didn't want to be with her because I was, like, dealing with internalized homophobia. So when I texted her that day in that, uh, in that classroom and she told me that she was actually getting married, like, I don't know why, but my heart just, like, plummeted. And, like... <laughs> oh. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, yeah. <clears throat> so, okay, so this was a different day than the day she confessed to you yeah this yeah, okay like she crest, she confessed me when because she was a year younger than me so i already graduated high school she was still in her junior year but she moved away and i guess she essentially became a, like a dropout because she was like had a job lined out uh, lined up elsewhere wherever she moved away i can't remember now but yeah so when i was just like making idle conversation she just dropped the news like oh yeah i'm getting married i'm like when what to who like how do like you've only been moved away for like less than three months who did you meet that you had to get married you had to (laughs) or like you wanted to get married or like you accepted a proposal so yeah anyway i was in the classroom and it's just like like kind of like in shock and i actually like started tearing up in class because you know that's how i am you kind of know me frankie it's just like kind of get emotional cancers cancers (laughs) (laughs) cancers gotta love it anyway yeah so i think it was like that day where i just like you know what something had to change about me because like if maybe if i didn't deal with like such like denial i probably would have like had the courage because i did like her back but i just couldn't like reciprocate all the way to that degree that she expected of me so after after hearing that news, so I'm just like, okay, maybe I should like start to take a step forward in accepting myself because literally this is like kind of broke me inside. So obviously it had something there, you know. So that was the day I actually decided to go to the LGBT center, and I it was something that I was like debating within myself ever since I set foot on that campus. You know how in the orientation for freshmen they kind of had that like icebreaker game where it's like come forward or like common ground. I think they called it where they like call something out and if it's something that you related to or it applied to you, then you took a step forward and everybody else in that circle stepped forward too. Mm-hmm. So that's it, to see sort of who you, you in somehow, whether you know it or not, you, you might relate to or have something in common. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think that's what it was called. It was, like, it was called, literally called Common Ground. Okay. So it was like one of those icebreaker games they had us play. And one of the questions was, was um, or do you identify as LGBT? And obviously, you know, being the closeted person I was, I didn't step forward. But at the very end of that game, they were all like, was there a step forward if there was a a question that you wanted to to step forward and didn't? And of course, I took a step forward, but they didn't, you know, elaborate further. It was just more or less kind of like for me to kind of like say, yeah, there was something I wanted to say or uh, a thing I wanted to step forward to. So anyway, going back to that day where it's like, okay, so after that class, I literally just like, straight shot to that lgbt center because i finally found it for one because it's like really secluded in costo hall yeah it's really it took me a while to figure it out it's like oh yeah there's a door i can walk through it's not just on the outside like everywhere else and stuff and when i got there i kind of just stood there underneath the door frame i did not i could not take a step forward for like the life of me i just like literally just stood there frozen in the door frame just having that internal battle Whoa. So what was that like sort of crossing crossing a threshold? Or yeah, I mean, it was, was there was there a sense that there was no if you if you stepped over that there was no coming back from that? Or, or? Honestly, yeah, it was like it was kind of like 
the feeling of um, if I took a step forward, what am I going to find here? Basically, <laughs> mm, I see. Okay. It was like it was. It's funny because when you framed it like that, it's literally crossing a threshold, and yeah. it's like both symbolic, symbolically and literally crossing the threshold of like finally accepting like who I was and, and stuff like that. Right. And um, I had to be like coaxed forward by uh, the person who was working the front desk at the time and she's like are you okay sweetie <laughs> i'm like yeah i'm fine i'm just kind of kind of you know just kind of standing there standing here just kind of checking my it out <laughs> checking it out and she's <laughs> like are, are you sure i'm like yeah i guess i just don't know and i literally told her it's like i guess i just don't know what i'm gonna find here and she said why don't you just take a step forward and find out and i did and then ever since then i just like was surrounded by an amazing community honestly like i had friends i never thought i would make i was talking about things i never thought i would talk about it was like it was the best decision i could have made actually at the time so i think that's when i finally like came out to myself is when i walked through that threshold you know so it started it started from a text and that text then yeah. took you sort of on on this this journey to sort of to not find you but sort of accept you mm -hmm. is that is that sort of yeah, because I feel like that I did find me. I just didn't want to meet that me. So, so can you then? Then you sort of jumping around in your in your story <clears throat> in your timeline. Can you can you sort of step back maybe and tell us about the finding you part, and then maybe that would give us a sort of a, a way to connect the 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 journey of finding yourself, and then actually say, now I want to meet that person and be that person. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, so that would go back in high school, basically, where I did actually end up having a crush on a different girl, because um, in my senior year, I finally got around to actually doing what I wanted to do, which was doing the running crew for my, uh, for my high school's theater program, okay. and actually did end up getting a crush on one of the girls there. She wasn't, um, she, she played Cinderella in the, uh, in this, in the Brothers Grimm <laughs> Spectaculathon <coughs> musical thing, the jig. Spectaculathon? Yeah, Spectaculathon. <laughs> like, I have the poster and everything. I should show you sometime. It's actually really neat. And they signed the poster and everything, so. But yeah, so that's how I met her. And we had a math class together, so we were, like, talking here and there and stuff. And we kind of got, I kind of got really close to her. And I eventually, like, started developing feelings. And it was kind of like scary at the time because I thought, you know, because like even though I don't come from a family who like vindicate me, they still had strong opinions against it. So it wasn't something that I could readily just accept as like another crush. It wasn't like if I had a crush on a guy, it's like, oh, yeah, this is fine. This is normal. It's high school. Obviously, you're going to have a crush on a guy. But like, no, this is a crush on a girl. Like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And um, I actually eventually did end up confessing to her like in like a bout of like extreme courage I didn't know I had I actually pulled her aside and said I'm sorry but um there was something on my mind lately and I really trust you that I want to like talk to this to you about and she's like yeah of course I can you can always talk to me you tr I trust you you trust me like we're good friends you made this show really fun what's on your mind and I basically told her I have a crush on you and she was like, but at the time she had a boyfriend, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, so obviously I knew. All, why is it always like this? <laughs> I know, uh, but like, that. like you. Go ahead. Huh? I was like, even though I knew, like I knew for sure it wasn't gonna be able to work, but it was still like the eating inside and stuff. And yeah. like, even though, and it was like, I guess thinking back on it, it's like not just being honest to her that I had feelings for her, and that's why I was like acting the way that I was it was also trying to be honest to me like yeah call this a crush call a duck a duck it's a freaking crush like accept it mm. but then after that happened um I kind of went back into denial and that's when the other girl who confessed me and eventually got married that after that like it was some time it was some months in between and so um sorry I'm trying to piece together the timeline again when 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 you say you say that uh the 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 woman you confessed to um in high school had a boyfriend um and then you kind of thought that that meant that there was probably no possibility of something something developing i guess right mm -hmm. between you two did, did did that make it safer to to then confess i mean where did that change the sort of stakes to your, your your confession or was it just something you you had to get off your chest or i mean it was something that i had to get off my chest because my best friend at the time she noticed that i was like really occupied with something and it was something that really mattered to me i just didn't know how to deal with it so she basically asked me she pulled me aside it's like what's up like what's wrong and yeah. i said i have a crush on somebody and she's like okay do you want to tell me or should i or should i guess 
and I told her, well, you could probably guess because I'm transparent, like as all as all get out. And she, she literally, her, oh, sorry, at her first guess was literally the girl I had a crush on. So that's just how a, a much of an open book I was. I'm just okay. like, yeah, it was her. And she said, well, you should probably tell her. And I told her, well, she has a boyfriend. Like, nothing's going to come of it. Right. And she basically told me, it's like, well, at least you'll get it off your chest because this has been bothering you for weeks now. Like, what do you, like, don't expect anything out of it. Just at least to, like, make you feel better, you know? Yeah. So that's ended up what I did, just to get it off my chest. I didn't expect her to, like, leave him for me. Like, that's unrealistic. And I couldn't have asked that of her. Right. So so this, this word, it, it sort of keeps coming around and I'm wondering sort of how to how to how to make sense of, of this idea of, of a confession mm-hmm. right and, and, mm-hmm. and is that the same as as coming out or is the confession part a part of coming out or I mean how, how it's I, the reason why I asked is because I haven't I haven't heard the the folks we've done interviews with so far in the po- in the, the podcasting that we're doing I haven't heard the idea of a, of a confession so much uh, come out yet so I was wondering what what do you why do you think that word is so important in your in your narrative mm, mostly because the way i process my own internal like internal feelings and conflicts is that it starts as internal and if i can't process it then i'll try and make it physical where i can deal with it like in this case dealing with it on the inside like having a crush on another girl and not knowing what to do or like how to think it was kind of it wasn't going anywhere just going around in circles in my head i was literally thinking in circles for weeks on end just thinking about it so when my friend told me to just confess it was basically making it physical and by making it physical it was more tangible it's something that happened and i can i have new information to process essentially right so kind of like what mr rogers says if it's mentionable it's manageable Mm -hmm. when you get when you get your thoughts out into the real world you understand it more. I didn't know Mr. Rogers was so... Uh, Profound. Yeah, so deep. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> Mr. Rogers is dope. Anyway. Help me. But yeah. wow. so, so then is, is coming out a confession or does confession happen first and then someone gets mm. the strength to come out or mm. are they related? I mean, how, yeah. how does that work? Um, I can't really speak for everybody, for, right, but for me at the time, I think it was a step in that direction where as long as I made it physical and tangible and actually manageable, as Frankie just said, for me to process it, then that's where I can actually take the necessary steps in the direction that I was already was meant to go. I just took so long to like, and took so much energy and time to just deny it. Right. So then your confession wasn't actually a coming out. Not at the time, not the first time, no. It was more or less just kind of like just calling it like it was. Like, yeah, I had a crush on the girl, but like now what, basically? Like I was able to move past that first part of actually having a having a crush, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I was, you know, I was lesbian or anything like that. Like it wasn't super official at the time. It was more like something that happened. Right. It was right. just some, It was just like, it felt like a phase. Like, you know how the, the narrative they always push into. It's like, oh, you'll grow out of it. Oh, it's just a phase. It'll... Mm. And stuff and it actually did feel like that because I ended up dating a guy after I graduated <laughs> and stuff and oh, wow. yeah so that was so that was a thing because so after I started dating the guy the thing that happened with the theater girl just felt like yeah it just felt like exactly what it was everybody kept describing it to me it was a phase so and then so, so then so then in, in, in your in your experience in your understanding and your sort of living right of, of it all mm-hmm. how, how would you define uh, coming out um just the general acceptance of it I suppose like like I said in the beginning of this like we we're like we kind of have to come out multiple times to many different people in different contexts and I'm just kind of like focusing on like when I had to come up to myself it was just the acceptance right. for me it's like the coming out wasn't really like announcing it it's just more like acknowledging something that was that's always been there I just spent so much energy just like denying it is there is there an embracing that happens then at that point or is that is that still something that that takes that took time or I mean so so you 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 cross that threshold there at, at the center um, and and in your sort of talking with with us today that was sort of the beginning I guess right of, of part of the the coming out process mm-hmm. but was that was that also sort of the, the a step towards embracing or did that happen sort of after or Mm, 
crossing over the threshold was the acceptance but the embracing didn't come until like a little bit after but it definitely was sped up with the fact that i was surrounded by so much positive energy and people who have experienced what i experienced as well so it's like that extra reinforcement that helped me like nudge me into just like yeah this is who i am it's fine you're okay basically Uh, okay so so how did you then sort of manage in 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 frankie's term right if it's if if it's what if it's if it's it's mentionable it's manageable so how did you how did you how did you then how did you how did you manage the 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 embracing of 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 that thing of the of the coming out actually i don't really know how to describe it it was just more or less something that just became second nature it was just like well this is who i am i don't really need to think too hard about it anymore the only thing that ever caused me any more grief was just like well how do i tell my family because mm. even though I came out to myself, it was still months later before I can even like mention it to my family, let alone even come out to them. How like, did, how did that work out? Oh goodness, here we go. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you if you feel if you feel oh, no, comfortable it, talk, it's, talking, it's not about that bad actually. Like they didn't like blow up at me or anything. It was more or less. It's funny because they actually kind of knew before I did. They just they were doing what I did was just like denying it. But even though they kind of knew that I was in that direction, they still didn't want to accept it at the time. So when I finally told them that I've been hanging out at the LGBT center and yes, I'm gay and they were, and my dad was just like, oh, okay. I mean, took you long enough, I guess. <laughs> Cause, yeah, so out of the two, my dad was a little bit more chill about it because he actually had um, an aunt who was lesbian too. Like, and he loved her to death when he was growing up. So he kind of associated that with me where it's just like, well, as long as it makes you happy. So he didn't give me a lot of grief about it. With my mom, it's a little bit different because she she came from uh, Vietnam, so she actually has a lot more like traditional values and like hardcore set uh, mentalities and how marriage should be how how marriage should work between a woman and a man and stuff. So she kind of even though her sister was lesbian, like she's like my aunt Jessie, her sister. She's been she had a part. She's been having a partner for like eighteen years, but it's more like a tolerance and an obligation to family than an actual acceptance. It feels like most of the time. Mm-hmm. So my mom is a little bit harder to win over, and she's still like she 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 accepts it more or less. She doesn't like fully understand it or like try and like justify that it's right, but she knows it makes me happy. So obviously, you know, being a mom, mm-hmm. then that's all she can ask for. Mm-hmm. At least that's what she tells me. I can still tell that sometimes she's a little disappointed, but it's my life essentially. So, right. so I, I wonder then. So the so so your own coming out meant, and and at least if I'm if I'm if I'm following, meant that that in some ways you were already out to others, whether you came out to them or, or not, right? Yeah, I guess it's like. It's all the whole retrospect thing, like my behaviors and my attitudes towards like dating the guy, like the guy that I mentioned that I dated, like it wasn't very like enthusiastic. It was just more <laughs> like, oh yeah, I've been dating this guy. It's been four months now. We just go see movies. That's yeah. it. Sounds like a sounds like a hangout. It really sounds was. like a friend. Honestly, he was a, he was a really solid movie buddy. I'm not gonna lie, he was a really solid solid movie buddy. But that's all it like evolved into. Like it never went past that. And then when we eventually just kind of like we didn't really break up. It's more like we just stopped talking to each other. Uh-huh. And then that's when I was like, okay, I guess I can just be me now. I don't have to worry about upholding this quota that I have a boyfriend. Mm. And like it didn't feel like four months at all because we barely even like hung out. We only went out whenever um, there was a movie we wanted to see. Mm. Uh. <laughs> And then, like, we had, like, maybe one picnic that could have counted as a date, I guess, but it didn't happen, or, or, like, it didn't, nothing really happened that was substantial or, like, anything, like, elevating passive, like, yeah, we just kind of hang out. Mm -hmm. Right. It's interesting how other people can know things about you, and then you don't know until later mm-hmm. and then it all makes sense it really does hindsight is truly 2020 it's just it's... but but part of that part of that has to be then about sort of the expectations that people have mm-hmm. right and 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 when some people in our lives uh have expectations but don't necessarily hold you accountable for not upholding those expectations right? mm-hmm. but then others are always sort of imposing those expectations on you and if you don't uphold them right then there's some sort of consequence or some yeah. sort of price to pay right now i guess we experience that in, in in 
in different ways in our in our life, right, from different folks. But I guess luckily, right, the expectations that were maybe there weren't expectations, or maybe they weren't sort of that strong from some folks in in your in your life, right, which mm-hmm. allowed you then to to figure those out on your own. Yeah, like I definitely blew it out of proportion with like how my dad especially was going to react because I thought of like out of the two parents, like I knew my mom was going to be traditional, but I thought my dad was going to be like really like strong held about like man, woman, that's it. But then but then he told me about his aunt Carol, like his his gay aunt and then he, I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know that about our family." Like <clears throat> I guess he was more exposed to it than I thought, and so it, he ended up being the most accepting of my two parents. Uh and when I told my aunt Jessie about me about me possibly coming out and you know getting involved with this girl who essentially like confessed me the first one that I told you about the one who ended up getting married, yeah. like when I told my aunt Jessie about that story, she literally asked me, "Are you sure? Do you want this life for yourself? Have you given guys a try?" And I'm just like, what? "You of all people are telling me this? Like that is not what I needed to hear from you. Like mm. how can you think that?" And it was devastating to hear that from my aunt, even though I thought she of all people would be like the one to understand me and try and vat- validate me. Right. But I guess it's because of the time period where she first came out, it wasn't the most friendly environment. Like her own family kind of ostracized her right. to the point where like now they just like they love her, but they just more or less tolerate her lifestyle. So, yeah. So hearing that, hearing it that day did not help with the coming out because that happened before the whole threshold thing. Just right. hearing that was before threshold. So it's just like it was not helping the argument like at all. Like I felt like I didn't have anybody behind me at all. And it's just, it was terrible. Like, like I felt kind of betrayed from my aunt at that, at that moment. But at the same time, I can understand where she was coming from mentality wise, because yeah, when she first came out, it was not a very like healthy environment, like at all. Mm -hmm. She didn't like, she just was looking out for me. She doesn't like, she doesn't want me to go through what she went through essentially. Right. Which I didn't. I found a, like an amazing community. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And so, how does how does that relationship work now? I mean, are have have you and your aunt uh, sort of like reconnected or anything? Figured that out? Yeah. Um, it wasn't my aunt Jessie that ended up reconnecting. It was actually my aunt Anita, and we had the closest relationship out of all of my relatives. Like. My aunt Anita was probably the first relative that I came out to that wasn't my parents and it wasn't my aunt Jessie. Like, my other relatives, I don't even want to think about having to come out to them because they live, like, states away. It probably doesn't even matter. But my aunt Anita, we've always been, like, super close and stuff. So when I, when I first told her, it was essentially what happened with my dad. Like, she was really chill about it. She was like, as long as it makes you happy, then I'm happy for you. Just, you know, guys and girls, they, you just got to be careful with your heart, essentially. Like, she kind of treated the situation as if I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm dating a guy. It's like, okay, just be careful. Don't get hurt. Or, like, like if they hurt you, I got to fly out there and kick their ass. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, that's cool. Which is but, awesome because that, that then really allows you to deal with sort of the, ro- the romantic, right, aspects mm-hmm. of, of, of your sexuality rather than, the, rather than sort of the ways that we always want to make it sort of political. Right? Mm-hmm. This sort of political experience of, of coming out and then being an activist or not or yeah. you know, being about this or about that or whatever else, right? Yeah, that's actually a really good way to put it, what you just said. Like, it was like the first time where my family members didn't make it political. Like, she literally just treated it like, okay, well, this is what you've chosen, but, you know, it's all the same. Just be careful with your heart. I'm just like, that is the talk that I've always gotten every single time I had a crush on a guy, but now this is like the first time I'm getting it, having a crush on a girl, and it right. felt really validating in that moment. Right, and it's sad. It's sad that the, the conversation doesn't seem to, it seems sort of that the conversation is usually less about that, mm-hmm. right, and more yeah. about the sort of social or political implications. Or of, sexual of implications. Right, yeah. Yeah. Started, yeah. actual act, you're right, actually. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it seems then that, that through this whole process, there was sort of multiple, like, sort of, uh, sort of peaking, right, sort of before coming out, there was this sort of, sort of, sort of peaking out kind of. Yeah, if, right? it was like, I think it's... To describe it, I guess it felt like I was kind of like getting my foundation laid down where it felt more stable than how it was back in high school when I was literally just grasping at straws to try and like figure out what is what was happening with me. Like I'm suddenly graduating, I have to think about getting a job, I'm starting college in a few months. Like it was a lot to deal with at the time and now I have this sexuality thing I had to figure out too 
and I didn't know how to deal with it. My parents definitely didn't know how to deal with it because I was too afraid to ask them. So I was just like taking whatever I can get, whatever support system I can find. What do you, what do you, what do you say? What do you, so if we can go back a little bit to that romantic part, I mean, so hopefully there'll be some folks listening to the podcast, some young folks that are, that are, or just people in general, I guess, that are sort of, will either have experienced what you're talking about or are experiencing what you're talking about or eventually are thinking about sort of peaking their own, right, popping their own head up for, for the first time or so. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what might you say about sort of the, the romantic part? I mean, the idea that, that ultimately the possibility of, of love or finding love or being in love or being love or giving love right is sort of not taken away right from the from the from the the coming out process or it's not diminished or it's not sort of changed or i mean what what would you say about that or or do you have any thoughts on that mm. well it's not really like coming out doesn't exactly have to connotate you automatically finding love again it's just like finding your identity essentially like finally finding a piece of yourself that you didn't realize was kind of missing i suppose or like it was just always there but you just didn't realize at the time so it doesn't always have to equate necessarily to like having a romantic relationship like sure that's ideal like it's definitely ideal it's something that we mostly strive for i feel like but it's not always a requirement and it's definitely not a like a checkbox that you have to like tick off when you're coming out like just because like you don't have a a partner at the time of coming out doesn't make it any less validating that you found yourself or that you've never had a partner of the yeah same gender or you know Mm -hmm. whatever because a lot of the times people will be like how do you know You've never dated. Yeah, that's what that's what annoyed. That's what was devastating mostly when my aunt Jessie told that to me. He's like, "Have you given guys a try?" I'm like, "Yes, twice. Didn't work. Thanks." Yeah. But <laughs> so, but again, so that's that that's the 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 sort of popular conversation is not about who you love. It's about who you sleep with. It's about who you have sex with, mm-hmm. right? And there's this weird kind of thing that I think comes from men and women, right? That you just haven't tried the right you know yeah the right guy right and there's always this there's always this weird thing that like if a guy is not good in bed right Mm -hmm. she's gonna go lesbian right or 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 if a guy's wife decides that she's you know interested in in women it's because he wasn't doing his job in the bedroom or whatever yeah Yeah, see that's where it gets interesting for my identity as well because i don't identify just as lesbian i also identify as asexual so i kind of get both ends of the talk of like oh you just haven't given it a try it wasn't not it wasn't just giving guys (laughs) dating chances it's actually being able to sleep with the guy i'm just even though they don't outright tell me they obviously imply it i'm just like no that's not what i'm about why are people so invested in like you boning down, you know I what I mean? Know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I legit can't. <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was a pun or not. But it, just, it's just, it was all about the bone, though, right? Yeah, okay, it's like, yeah. can we just like live, live a life? Like, why are you so interested in my sex life? Maybe mm-hmm. think about a different thing. I don't know. I know. There's, like, there's other ways to show people that you love them. Like, You don't have to like get involved with them in that way every single chance you get. Like, There's other validating ways. And... Yeah, and, I and think apparently they just like, especially when I told my like, I came out to my family as ace before I came out as lesbian. It was actually kind of funny, and they're all like, they literally can't compute it. Like, right. how do you know that you're ace? Like, you never even had it. I'm just like, I don't need to have it. I don't want it. Like, yeah, how hard is it to understand that I just it's just something I don't want? Right. That's really interesting. That it's it's easier for them to comprehend a lesbian identity. Than an, than an asexual identity mm-hmm. because to me it's just like if it's not there it's not there like if you don't have chemistry with someone imagine that but with anyone right yeah, yeah it's I just mean like, maybe I'm getting it wrong but that's that's how I always conceptualized it is like I mean, you just don't feel you just don't feel like it I mean so that's, what? Es- <laughs> that's essentially what it boils down to it's just like yeah I just don't want it you're why are you overcomplicating it like there's really nothing to it I you probably should be happy that I'm ace. It doesn't, so that means I don't get into any shenanigans you keep scaring me out of. Yeah. <laughs> Plus expensive for like, everybody. Exactly. It's like, I feel like this is kind of counterintuitive that you're kind of upset that you don't understand that I'm ace. Like, 
isn't this kind of like any parent's dream? Like, I'm not going to get myself into trouble? Like, this feels a little bit counterproductive to what you've been, like, teaching me from, like, day one. True. So now they want you, right? So now they're like, go out, do that. Right? Yeah. Do all the things we told you not to it's do. Like, I've, apparently, I came of age. I'm just like, okay, right. you can go do it. Now it's like, no, because I don't want it anymore. You literally just, like, kind of told me all these stories. And I'm like, yeah, the, there's no appeal anymore. I just want the romance aspect. That's it. Well, let me let me ask you this then: Is is the the sort of you know quote unquote threat of of someone's queer sexuality is it is it the fact that some people have sex with the same sex, or is it that they love someone of the same sex? I mean, which one is more dangerous? Which one is more threatening? I don't think there's a clear answer for that. I feel like that it just depends on the person. There's no good or bad. I mean, it just, like, sure, you kind of run into, like, the wrong people, but it doesn't mean that the experience was any less, like, um, like, what am I trying to say? Influential? In, or? I guess so, like, impactful of, like, how you start to mold yourself into this identity you've, you've acquired. Right. Well, and the reason why I ask is it's sort of a trap, right? I'm trying to trying to get us back to the to the sort of part of the conversation where you were talking about coming out to yourself and embracing mm. um, um, sort of who you were and you use this uh, you use this this phrase missing out right and so sitting there in your archaeology class you got a text and you said you felt as if you might have been now missing out mm -hmm. right? and the reason why then that that experience sort of put you on the cusp and sent you then to to the threshold of the the center there Right, was that feeling, that sense of missing out. And mm -hmm. it seems to me that that sense of missing out then has to do with sort of the emotional connection, right? Yeah. Not, not necessarily the physical, you know, sexual acts, right? Definitely, or, definitely. But, but missing out on something, something more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it was definitely, because, like, it hurt me so much to hear that she was getting married, and even though I didn't accept her, like, accept her proposal to basically be in a relationship with her, a long-distance relationship, it still hurt because I was still emotionally invested in her. Like, right. even though we never officially went out, she was still a friend of mine. Like, I still did have feelings for her, even though I didn't know they were romantic at the time. They were obviously, like, really strong feelings. So after I got that text, it was kind of like a wake-up call, like, wow. I was way more invested in this than I realized, and maybe there is something here. It's something that I've been, like, I've been denying of myself of. So it's not really like, like mi missing out makes it feel like that. Um, it was like I'm not experiencing enough. It's more like it's more like I've have. Jeez, what am I trying to say? Because the missing out has the connotation where it's like as if I haven't been exploring too much. You know how everybody has that that misconception of like, oh, I'm just bi-curious and stuff. Like I didn't want to oh. fall into that at the time. And, and, I, and I don't think it has. I don't think it. I don't think it has to have that. I think it. I think more than that, it seems like a. a it seems like a true sense of potential loss. Mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. that loss, I think, is the is the love part, right? I think the I think the the the, the sense of a possible loss. Is the actual, is the actual sense of, of of the love part, the romantic part, right? That seems to be lost in the conversation mm -hmm. with with someone's sexuality, right? And there seems to be this weird thing. People have sex without love all the time, mm -hmm. right? But what you're talking about is love without sex, and 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 when and how is that gonna? I don't know. What are the potentials for that? Mm. for that feeling right one without the other mm -hmm. so yeah if that makes any, any, yeah. any sense at all yeah yeah sorry i was just like i just honed in on the connotation of like the whole missing out thing because it just immediately made my mind go to like oh the bicurious misconception and just like <laughs> yeah, oh that really is, oh that's right. true and, so that's, and that's exactly what i mean to say yeah then, right? the sort of limited ways that are allowed to a person to be themselves right and so mm -hmm. then so then the process is always about the sex, the limited limited ways to be a man or limited ways to be a, a woman is really about expressing not your emotions and who you love, your romance around, uh, uh, the, the romantic feeling around someone, right? But the actual physical kind of, the ways you supposedly express that to someone, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which then limit the ways that we're allowed to be sort of our authentic selves, right? Our, our true selves, I think. Yeah. It's very complicated. 
It really is. Like, it, there's <laughs> definitely no clear roadmap, which is probably why I struggled so long with that, uh, with just being by myself. And that's why it was so beneficial for me to actually, like, take that step through the threshold because I probably would be still thinking in circles had it not been for that day. It's really interesting because we were talking about in a different interview about how in, like, in health class, you know, they sometimes they do kind of talk about like oh you're gonna have feelings but you're gonna have feelings in this specific way towards Mm. these specific people and I never thought about it until really recently how much like romance is definitely a part a part of um of the equation and even though like for me specifically that was really the only part of the equation and um I'm glad that you got a chance to confess because I didn't. <laughs> oh my god! And it it like really, uh, it really affected me in a in a weird way, and mm-hmm. I never got to. And then she moved to Arizona and stuff, so I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, but but yeah, romance. Why do we have to? Why do we have to put that on the back burner? Isn't that weirdly enough? We have all of these like rom coms and whatever. So, but then. We just have to perform so many things in so many like prescribed ways. It's, mm-hmm. it's. I guess it's kind of infuriating, huh? It's yeah, a, it can a, be. It's, it's a juvenile conversation. It's overwhelming. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was just. It's overwhelming because like with all the rom coms, are very like heteronormative. Heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Well, I can speak. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it's like really heteronormative, and it like it sets up these gender roles that has to be like it's again it's the checkbox where you ha- where the guy has to do this in order to get the girl to do that and stuff. So like I kind of felt like I didn't want to fit into that that mold that's why it didn't really work out with the guys that I dated so much because I didn't really want to fit into that gender role like the first date with the guy that I hung out with the movie buddy like our first date he paid for the museum tickets but then I paid for lunch and I paid for the movie tickets because I wanted to it was something that we're sharing we're sharing this time together why am I letting this guy foot the entire bill like sure it's courteous on his end but like I want to reciprocate like hey we're like in this together why wouldn't I pay my half of the experience, you know? When you and, put it like that, it all it illuminates the transactionality of like so many different relationships and the expected transactionality, mm-hmm. especially in heterosexual relationships and yeah. dating and whatever. And like he was actually genuinely surprised when I when I paid for the movie tickets. You know, he was all like, Yeah, I never had my ticket paid for before. I'm like, Yeah, hey dude, I got you. <laughs> Like that sounds to me. This just sounds like decent behavior. Honestly, and, but then like he was, he went into this date fully expecting to foot the entire bill, even though the movie was more or less my idea. So like, of course I'm going to pay for it. Like, yeah. why wouldn't I? We're here together. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a whole other conversation about <laughs> the actual transaction, though. Right? Yeah, the actual, mm-hmm. the actual transactions that take place, the 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 small ones that build, that ultimately in a in 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 a sort of you know sort of quote-unquote normal relationship right, mm-hmm. end up leading to the actual ultimate transaction yeah. mm-hmm. right? and the obligations that are made between people based on finances and all it's all mm-hmm. it's all it's a whole it's a whole mess right you pay and therefore well you know yeah well, now you got it well you've whatever. been doing all these things right mm-hmm. and, and it's a it's a horrible horrible kind of thing right yeah it's part of the yeah that's part of the part of the the problem i guess i i, I think the so there was a there was an I don't know if you you folks ever watched Seinfeld before, yeah. right? But there's a there's a and I and I'm I feel bad about even bringing the show up, but <laughs> but <laughs> there was an episode where George was at a tailor, right? And mm-hmm. the tailor was measuring his inseam, mm-hmm. and the tailor somehow you know put his hand up and touched touched George's penis, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was George, and so George was like it moved, <laughs> and so now the whole question is well why did if if you're a straight male. Right? Why did your penis move mm-hmm. when when the tailor touched it? Right, mm-hmm. and and that that's a conversation for like fifth graders. Right? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a conversation at the level of fifth grade sexual education, and this is a show that's for adults, for grownups, and it mm-hmm. tells you that I think right where our sort of emotions around sex and sexuality and love and romance are at. Right, it's still at the level of fifth graders, right? Because if that show can say something, everybody's like, oh yeah, that's a deep, meaningful sort of uh, 
sort of satirical kind of conversation, mm-hmm. I guess. That's funny yeah. you mentioned that, because when you think about it, like, that situation probably could have been played off as, look how immature George is, it's not a big deal. Or all of us were laughing at it, right? But mm-hmm. it... But it, I'm most likely it wasn't played like that. It was like, whoa, what a weird situation, huh? Right, right. You know. <laughs> and and even if 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 the writers are saying, hey, we're bringing up this important topic, right, about this sort of this sort of sense of ourselves or the blurred lines between, you know, who you have sex with and who you love and whatever else, it's done in a way that that can only be addressed at the level of of our fifth and sixth grade, our elementary school sexual education Mm. right Mm -hmm. but the idea of who it is that you want to love and 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 sort of the romance around your sexuality is a conversation we 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 seem to be less able to have i think right Mm. especially in a a popular sense yeah it doesn't help that a lot of like a lot of that kind of like sort of representation quote quote representation is usually just played for laughs and not just like tv shows but like the like the movie i can't remember what the movie's name is but it's one with will ferrell in it and he and he plays a race car driver and stuff talladega nights yeah that that movie and ricky bobby ricky Ricky bobby Bobby. yeah. yeah that movie and i remember watching that with my family and there's an openly gay character in there his rival essentially and they kiss at the very end of the movie after the big race and i remember like being in the same room my parents were like cringing at that because they're all like why do they got to do it like this why do they got to put that in the movie mm. and at the time like I, I guess like looking back at it i guess that could be either interpreted as like oh why did they add that in the movie it adds nothing or like or was it or were they being like homophobic to the to the possibility of like two guys like kissing mm. it's kind of hard to interpret it like looking back on it but like essentially i kind of agree with them it's like yeah why did they put this in the movie because it's literally just there for laughs like i know it was there for laughs because the kind of movie that it was but I guess that's like, I guess that's the only way to get that quote representation because it has uh, to be played off as a joke. And, and it has to be, it has to be on that level of, of sex or potential sex or mm-hmm. potential, right? mm-hmm. sort of crossing that, that, that physical line. Mm-hmm. Right? But I, I think what I appreciate about you sharing your story with us today is it's, it, and I think the other, the other, the narratives that we've been collecting so far in the podcast that we've done so far is, is, is really not about the actual act of, of, of sex, right? It's, it's more on the sort of emotional and romantic level of who a person um, uh, sort of is connecting with mm-hmm. or wants to potentially connect with, mm-hmm. right? Or, or something like that. Yeah, I think that's why people go so like bananas over any time that there is like any amount of queer representation where it's like where there is a romantic context and I think those movies are important for sure but the reason people go bananas is because there isn't enough of that and we're like we're starving we really are like <laughs> like but still shout out to the adventure time fandom like they're like bubbling just freaking got like confirmed oh i heard about this like my tumblr dashboard has been like full of it like i don't just even lighting up i know i'm not even part of that fandom that i'm like super happy for them because it's just like these kids shows these cartoons are doing a way better job with their representation than we can even ask for in the last freaking 20 years it seems like yeah kids shows and that's the that's like the area of media where everyone is freaking out you know what are we exposing our kids to that's like it reminds me of prop eight you know mm-hmm. we can't let the kids know about anything you know marriage is going to be ruined the kids are going to learn about this and mm-hmm. that and that and now where we've come such a long way and not even that much of a time where we can have a an extremely popular kids show have that kind of representation and there had to be an entire boardroom of people who read the script and greenlit it you know Mm -hmm. and then they animated it and they voice acted it and they put a ton of money and hours into it and to think about all of the confirmation that this was okay all along the way i think that it shows it shows a lot of uh, progress, I guess, right? Even, mm-hmm. even even if 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 we're not willing to have that conversation among adults, the majority of adults, even though a show like that is written by adults, mm-hmm. right, green lit by adults, mm-hmm. right, funded by adults, but ultimately it's a conversation for kids. That's a is a weird irony there. But the, that is true. They will be adults too, though. But they will, yeah, exactly. They will be adults. 
and it's really great because I can already tell that the next generation, Gen Z or whatever you want to call it, they're like really bright already and they're really, uh, I just, I have a lot of of positive feelings about them and, and hope that like, yeah, that they'll I, pull us out of this hellscape. Well, I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to like put it all on them, right? But it's like. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And, like it's that light at the end of the tunnel where it's like, yeah, the kids will be all right. Like, yeah. Because like something is being done right, where they're gonna have this like attitude about the world when they grow up. Well, ho- hopefully, 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 not, hopefully they're not like that whole generation of hippies. I mean, right? Oh, right. That all of a sudden went corporate, right? And mm-hmm. those folks who were all oh, about yeah. who were all about this open sort of socialist type, you know, free world with this and that, all of a sudden now are the same ones that are racist, that are sexist, that mm-hmm. are that are the ones that are really sort of reinforcing the the rules, right? Mm-hmm. I hope that because we have the internet and there's like such a easy access to like different types of people and conversations that it won't devolve into that that level where we go from being open-minded and stuff like that as in the 60s where and then it just completely becomes like the next conservative right exactly mm-hmm. where, where folks are like uh you know it was just a phase mm-hmm. right? where someone's mom or someone's dad is like oh yeah i remember my protesting days mm-hmm. right? i remember <laughs> when i used to be an activist or i used to be interested in that kind of stuff talk about like, going through a phase and then i got a mortgage oh. right mm-hmm. then i got a mortgage then i got a car payment now i got you know college tuition bills and now everything seems to be right. now we got to play by the rules yeah, now see, and we seems, have to agree with the rules too seems what happened to the 60s right mm-hmm. seems, yeah, yeah. So we'll see i guess that's uh to be determined right? <laughs> yeah all right well thank you uh for hanging out with us today and thank you for having me this was great yeah this was an awesome we talked about so many different things this was awesome <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see what makes it into the actual the actual podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Looking forward to that. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again. All right. Well, that's uh, today's show. Um, What do you you think, Frankie? Um, I had this one part that I particularly focused on when we were listening back to it. Um, Talking with Aunt Jessie and how she was all like, have you given guys a try? And how Ash felt betrayed. And the talking about the reasoning behind Aunt Jessie may have acted like that, mm-hmm. where it's like she doesn't want she didn't want for Ash what she had gone through uh, in in her life. That where, was that was Ash's reasoning, right? That, yeah, that was what Ash. That was her was conjecture on. about, um, which is probably pretty solid okay. considering uh, what she told us about her aunt's like family's acceptance of of her how they like quote unquote they loved her but they didn't but they just tolerated her lifestyle right right? right. heavy uh scare quotes around all that but i realized like when people go through pain and stuff they all handle it differently Uh and when it comes to like coming out as well apparently and i never thought about that but like some people come out and they don't want other people to be hurting so they have to make sure that they're really queer in order uh, to make sure that they're not just making a mistake and th- like throwing their reputation away right? right but other people might think about it differently and you know there are other people who are like yeah it was painful for me so why don't i try to make the world kind of think about things differently instead of making the person change. You know what I mean? I do, yeah. Like, making the circumstances of that person's coming out, the next generation's coming out or whatever, less um, abrasive and awkward. Right, So having to, that's, you know, I'm sure that's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different way of of looking at it. I, I guess so, and I guess folks that have been sort of uh, have gone through a particular type of pain or have been injured, quote unquote, themselves, um, you know, depending upon your experience of, of those kinds of things, maybe maybe pe- people take different approaches. I can I can think of a, another example about sort of the, uh, you know, about sort of the reproduction 
right, of the, of the next generation. Yeah. And oftentimes, it seems to me that, that, that women, um, you know, might go to other women in their family, sort of the, the, the older uh, previous generation, uh, for some kind of guidance. And, and oftentimes, you know, just, just maybe this is just anecdotal, but hearing sort of, you know, the, the experiences, right, oftentimes the women from the older generation sort of respond in this way that's like, hey, I had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. You got to deal with that too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So oftentimes they set it up where women then who maybe end up being single moms have to sort of experience the pain of mm-hmm. being a single mom rather than folks sort of stepping in and saying, hey, why don't we not reproduce that which, you know, that mother might have went through before. Right? Yeah, it's, it's like the reaction is trying to normalize it. That, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And I think maybe that's why then Ash felt kind of that that sense of betrayal. Right. Because. Ash was looking for maybe a productive way to to sort of, you know, sort of create or, or live in this new identity that she was she was crafting and someone who she thought would understand or she trusted ultimately tried to normalize that 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 for lack of a better word, uh, discrimination or rejection. Uh, I think that Ash might have already already been experiencing. Right. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense then that it would have it would have felt as a, a betrayal. Uh, she was definitely looking for some kind of validation from someone within her family, sure. which is an important thing, you know. Like, it, there's nothing, there's nothing like being accepted outside of your family than coming home and, or just coming to some kind of family get together and having to either you know hide or feel uncomfortable. You know, you want those people on your team right. you know right. so and um from what i remember correct if I, if i remember this correctly she ended up she did end up getting some kind of validation in that i th- it might have been no 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 it might i think it was the was uh, another different aunt, aunt yeah, it was another aunt yeah who said you know this is totally fine <clears throat> but just be like be careful with your your heart, heart yeah right and absolutely. that was validating mm-hmm. and i yeah, see absolutely. that yeah and oftentimes i guess where we sort of seek validation uh turns out to be the place we're least likely to find it right yeah and other times those places where we think we're least likely to find it is actually the place where it seems to live or it seems to exist yeah life yeah. just surprises you sometimes and i wonder also because there's this recurring um moment of coming out and it seems like you're and you talking about pain also reminds me of going to the doctor and they're asking you for a level of pain Mm. and eventually you learn what number gives you what pain medicine right so like the idea of coming out several times do you learn things from the different reactions that you get um like because the way people react teaches you something and has an interaction with that pain that you're right. having when you're expressing. Yeah, and how to tolerate it and who to expect it from, right? I guess is is one of the one of the one of the issues there, right? Is 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 sort of through that experiencing uh, that experience learning then who it is that you're going to expect pain from. Yeah, it's it can be very strategic and tiring, like emotionally tiring like yeah. well, if I come out to this person they'll probably tell this person. Or if I come out to this person, then Thanksgiving's going to be pretty weird, or maybe it won't be. Right. It's just like, oh, just so many different like factors right. depending on the person and your relationship. And I, I think what's crazy is that, like you say, so, so, so in your example, coming out of Thanksgiving, maybe it'll be really awkward or maybe it won't be. But ultimately it will be, even if it isn't, because the folks who say or seem to have accepted ultimately do weird things like ash said right they tolerate Mm -hmm. but they love you but they tolerate Mm -hmm. but it's you know and that kind of experiencing that is always that sort of awkwardness i would imagine feels like stale bread that's the only way i can put it that's probably it's bread but it's stale. (laughs) you can eat it but it sucks that's there you go there you go and it sustains you at sort of a limited kind of of level right yeah Yeah, absolutely that's a Mm. that's a good analogy what else what else did uh I, i i really Sort of, I don't know why, but I'm so I'm I'm really taken by the idea of uh, the idea of as Ash would put it, sort of being ace, mm. but at the same time really feeling um, 
that it's important to represent herself as as queer, right? And and yeah. really knowing that and recognizing that, but at the same time, trying to really separate that from the actual, you know, practice, right? The actual yeah, the actual act of 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 sex sexual relationships, right? Yeah, I mean, like ace identity has been like a kind of a hot button topic amongst like my kind of generation and the queer kind of circle group because there are some people who are like it's not even a part of like the lgbt community which, which, which is, generation is that frankie <laughs> it's my generation <laughs> which which would be what how would you mm, millenn millennial oh, okay i was uh, just trying to i was just trying to put your age out there oh just, you know, well so. i'm tw i'm 25 so whatever that is right, okay i assume that's I mean, it's technically Gen Y, right? No, I think Gen Y goes way back to the, to the nineties. No, I meant uh, no, no, the nineties, oh, the I'm way sorry. back to the nineties. I meant as a teenager to the nineties. You yeah. would, you would say way back to the nineties, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think, I think one of the, one of the things that I think really sort of struck me about that whole sort of asexual, uh, but queer, but you know, this, whatever, was the fact that, that the folks that sort of were telling Ash not to have sex would have preferred her to have sex rather than be, yeah. right, sort of not interested in sex. Right? It's like Which a is, Mobius strip of logic. It's just like, yeah. you know what? I somewhat have experienced that too, but not with aceness. I just can relate with, like, kids having, like having kids, where it's like, obviously it's a similar thing where it's like when you're um you know a teen they're like well you know don't don't bone down don't mm. have sex and uh don't do this until you know our prescribed time which is at least 18 or whatever yeah and then when i decide after 18 that i don't want to have kids or someone doesn't even have to be me right we don't have to make it personal this is a common thing um all of a sudden you know people are like tick tock you know yeah. like well, time's running out you have to have a kid you yeah. have to get married and it's like it's so all of a sudden it's so backwards well like, i think in someone some ways, cares that much about what you do but in some ways we all have to deal with that right because yeah. and ultimately we find out in these weird kind of disappointing ways um that because people have made investments in us ultimately who we are is less about who we feel we are at least in their mind yeah. And more about what it means for their life. Yeah. Right. So you 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 invest all your time and energy in your children, and then all of a sudden they tell you something, and and and, and the question then, I mean, if you're doing it wrong, the question then becomes, well, how's that going to affect my life? Rather than how mm -hmm. do I help? Right. And you can see it in the freedom of interrogation. <laughs> you know, like they feel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's so nor it's they have this freedom and they're asking you all these questions and they're really questioning your choices right. yeah because it doesn't fall in line with what they had planned or how it should work for them too right yeah so so ash ultimately the adults in, in ash's life are telling her not to have sex but they only mean it at a certain moment right don't have sex when it impacts my life yeah. Right. Don't have sex before you're old enough to take care of a baby. Yeah. Don't have sex in a way that's really gonna affect my life. Yeah. Right. And then I imagine <laughs> I'm serious. And yeah. then I and then I imagine then all of a sudden, you know, someone comes out to their parents and then it's like, well now this seems like it's gonna impact my life forever. Right? Yeah. It's really a selfish kind of approach. And I guess maybe that's part of the betrayal or the the sort of sort of sense of, of being injured, right? That mm. Ash that Ash was talking about because folks didn't seem to necessarily be necessarily didn't seem to be sort of taking Ash's perspective into account. It was from the selfish kind of yeah kind of approach. Well, what is what does you being queer mean to my life, right? Yeah, and everyone apparently has a, their own definition, which is always right. Right, mm -hmm. there you go. I and, guess. <laughs> and so maybe then choosing to tolerate or accept Ash is also a selfish choice. Absolutely wrapped around you know the the elders own opinions right mm -hmm. and and ways to try to manage their own sort of life right yeah their own, their own well-being yeah absolutely uh. well thanks for uh thanks for hanging out Grecia. thank you for inviting me this was awesome
Yeah. I had fun. Join us again sometime. Yes. Cool beans. And hopefully you folks out there uh, join us again sometimes too. <laughs> Until next time. Well, that's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll come back for our next episode. In the meantime, for more narratives, please visit culturalmediaarchive.org and click on Archive tab. Feel free to send us an email with any comments, complaints, or suggestions. You can reach me at frankieyounger at gmail.com. And you can reach me at anthonyj at ucr.edu. Take care.